Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Last week, we celebrated Easter, and we celebrate our risen Savior. The ground shook, the stone rolled away, and He is alive. And as we head into this new season, though, we don't just stay in that moment. Jesus didn't say, well, just gather around the tomb and just stay there. He said, no, now you need to go out. You need to be the salt. You need to be the light. You need to go into every area of our world to spread that joy. And to do that, we're kicking off this series called Walking in the Light. Because the, the, the walk of faith, the walk with Jesus, it is a walk. It is not a stagnant walk. It is getting up and living and walking as he leads. Because, and it's not a series of do's and don'ts. I love my study Bible said this. It said that it's, 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 we're not called to this list of do's and don'ts. This is about what Christ has done. He's done it. It is finished. And now we need to walk with that life that he has in us. So to do that, we're going to be looking at walking in the light. This is First John. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up or click it open or whatever it is. Is, or let your eyes go to the screen as we, re- as we read this. This is 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is our marker. This is what we're focusing on for just for the next five weeks here. It says, this is the message. This is the Apostle John uh, preaching this. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is what? Light. God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness... We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. But there's more. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, regular part of every believer, that's my note in there, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much? All. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. It's not in us. This is the light. And before we dive into it, I want to evaluate first because every word that's spoken in the Bible, when we read it, when we see it, when we proclaim it, it was spoken to a specific situation. So let's, uh, let's, let's look at, at the situation here. This is a situation that John is laying out, that he's speaking this, teaching this, preaching this in. And the, the, the situation, one of the things that, that, that the Apostle John leans into is he leans into our testimony. Our testimony it's so important. The life we're living, what we've experienced from God, that testimony is so strong that it even says in the Word of God that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the cost of Jesus, His power in us, and the Word of our what? Our testimony. And John begins his letter by, he's writing a testimony. He's saying, look, we have seen it. And in the verses prior to that, 1 John 1, verses 1 through 4, John says, look, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we've seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Listen to that. So that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Isn't that powerful? He said, I'm writing these things down because I want your joy to be complete. So again, John's writing this post-Easter, 
everything has happened that we've been talking about, preaching about, and proclaiming, and now churches are being formed, and people are being taught now to follow Jesus, what this means. And John, he's so excited about it that he's bursting with joy, but does it ever seem like every time you have a joy moment that someone comes in to try to like dance, kind of like tromp in your parade or saying you're being too joyful or there's, there's difficult things going on? I want to tell you, this is normal. This is normal. Difficulty is normal. That's what the Bible continually says. Don't be surprised when things happen. Don't be surprised when these things happen because Christianity, it wasn't the norm back then. It's not the norm here today in Seattle, though I love Seattle. But anytime that you step outside of this, anytime you walk, the result is going to be resistance. You're going to have resistance. And so John and this church, they're having resistance. And for John and those in his circle, one of the biggest opponents that they found was actually not on the outside. They knew that. They knew Rome wasn't for them. They knew they were opponents. But they're facing opposition within the body of Christ. They're facing these difficulties within. He's facing difficulty with his friends. And he's in a situation where he's losing them. And for a first century Jewish person, I think it's hard for us to wrap our mind around this, but for especially a first century Jewish person, when they would lose their friends, when they, as a result of following Christ, would be kicked out of the synagogue, this was traumatic because the synagogue was the center of all life. I mean, you know, as, as, they're going, as following Jesus, it meant you were expelled, you were cut off, but if you were cut off from the synagogue, you lost your friends, you lost your family, you potentially lost your income because, you know, you're selling, you're trading with friends of yours coming in. And now it's like you're just being removed from all of that because these are deeply connected communities. And so Paul, and so John, rather, he's experiencing people who were even originally with him and following Christ, and they'd done all that, but now they were giving up and they were returning, returning to what they'd come from. And see, this falls in line with one of the things that we talked about last week when we talked about one of the things that influences us even beyond logic, right? We, we want to think we're logical, but we have one of these big motivations that come in that cause us sometimes to walk away from logic. And one of, the, one of these key motives in our life is the one for friendship. I mean, how many of you, you, you like having friends? You want to have friends. You like being liked. I confessed to you last week, I like being liked. Right? Anybody else that they like being liked or like, I don't care who hates me? I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. And this comes right in with the power motivation because they've lost a form of power. They've lost a form of prestige. They've, that following Jesus meant they lost all this. They're losing their friends. They're losing their power. They're losing their status. They're losing all these things. And so this is the big test. And the Apostle John was being tested, but all those leaders as well. And the big test in this is would they be willing to really deny themselves, deny their friends, deny their power, deny their influence, deny their income, deny everything, and follow Jesus. And I think one of the things that complicated it is that he wasn't just facing people that were saying yes or no to these things. Because, see, the reality of sin and the separation from God without Jesus was so strong for those in his circle because, as we talked about last week again, there was, there's, there's, there's too much evidence to really out and out deny Jesus. When you look at it, when you see it, that's why Paul says that we're without excuse. You know, creation testifies. Every time that I go kayaking, I'm experiencing God. Every time I go backpacking, every time I go walking, every time I walk my, my dog in front of the church, I'm experiencing the presence and the life of Jesus in everything that I see. Everything that I see. But what people were doing is they couldn't deny the evidence, but at the same time, they were having a hard time denying themselves. And so as a result, 
there was this false teaching that emerged in the early church to compensate for this. And this false teaching was no, known as Gnosticism. How many of you have heard of Gnosticism before? All right. Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, I mean, there's a lot that we can talk about it, and just like everything else, right, there's, there's, uh, there's this changing, this kind of moving target, and it evolves and changes. But essentially, Gnosticism, it's, it's a reorganization of our faith, what we believe about the world, what we believe to be true, and it's really it's a return to the original sin that happened way back in the Garden of Eden. Remember how Satan tempted Adam and Eve? He essentially said to them, you can be God. You can be like God. You can see God. Your eyes will be open. You can be God. Now, most people wouldn't describe it this way because it sounds kind of arrogant of who wants to be God today, right? But really, it is. It's that original sin. I want to be in charge. I mean, we were created by God for God to glorify Him, and knowing that we find our worth, we find our value, we find everything in God. In Him, we live, we move, we breathe. We have our being in God. We're, we're walking with God. And as a result, God is supposed to leave, lead our life. He's supposed to be in charge. And why wouldn't He? I mean, God, God He made everything. He knows everything. He, he sees everything. I mean, if, if you're trying to see where to go, wouldn't you want to talk to the, to the one who sees everything and knows everything and you know, anything you need, he provides. He's there. Even Siri knows. Right? God should be in charge. But if we are not following God, we're going to follow somebody. Because we were made this way. We were made to follow somebody. We can be self-deceived about it sometimes, but we're going to follow something. There's this vacuum. This is how we were made. Every car has a driver. I don't care what kind of car, muscle car, truck, an e-car, a scooter, a bike, my favorite form. See, we're all going to follow somebody, and there's going to be someone in charge. And whoever is leading us, whoever is seating in that position is God. If it's not God, it's, it's somebody else. And so Gnosticism, which comes from the Greek word which means to know, it's said to be based on knowledge, right? So it, it sounds good. It's based on knowledge. It's based on that logic. But we need to be careful because knowledge is a big word, and we all know this. We all know this because fake news got really big during COVID, right? Everyone, what can we believe? What can we trust? And we have, we're in a generation now that they've, they feel like they've been duped so much and they've been manipulated so much that they're like, where is the truth? Where is the truth? So it sounds good, and there is a knowledge that comes by way of study, that unbiased examination where you just lay everything out, you can look at it, he's given you a sound mind, and you can start putting the pieces together, and you can see it when the bias is gone, when those false motivations are gone. But when we do that, again, the Bible is very clear. And I keep coming back to the Bible because I've studied it, I've gone in the background, I've done all that stuff, and I encourage you to do it. If you don't trust the Bible, study it. I can give you a lot of great books about it. It is solid, it is true, it is dependable, all the things. That's another sermon. It is reliable. But when you dive in, when you study it, when you look at things, you know undeniable, undeniably that God is true. And in the Bible it says, creation testifies to God to the point that we are without excuse. No one can have the excuse one day when we stand before God of, I just didn't know. He reveals it to us. He shows himself. And unfortunately, there's this false knowledge that occurs when we don't do it that way. Instead of looking out and, and seeing 
the truth of God. So much that my alma mater, Evangelion University, they had this statement, all truth is God's truth. When you see truth out there, it's God's. When it's really true, right? When it's really true, it is God's truth. But when we ignore that, instead of starting from the beginning, in the beginning, sometimes we like to start with the end. What's the outcome that we want? Who do we want to be in charge? Well, I'd like to be in charge. And we reverse engineer our own truth. I think we've all been guilty of that, right? God, I don't care what you say. I want to be with that person. And then we reverse engineer. I was actually dating somebody else when I met Stephanie. And the Lord had Stephanie for me. She was a great person, but I'm so glad for you. I'm so glad for you. Yeah. Absolutely. And they are too. You know that I've actually gotten jobs of, you know, Pastor Dwayne, we love you, but we really hired you for Stephanie. <laughs> That's true. That's true. See, sometimes we start with the end and we try to reverse engineer. But this is an engineered truth that seeks to take away the presence of God and our responsibility to him. And so in Gnosticism, I become the creator of truth. Christianity looks to the creator, but in Gnosticism, it looks to me, myself. I'm the one in charge. You know? It's like an ant trying to tell a bird how to fly. <laughs> thank, thank you, Val. I'll keep going. See, it's, 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 I want what I think to be true versus what God says is true. And another key element in this Gnosticism is the, this, this uh, aspect of dualism, meaning matter and spirit. And it's the belief that these are not connected. So in other words, it doesn't matter what I do, it matters only what I think as long as I have these good thoughts. But, but what I do with my body, it really doesn't matter. None of that is sin, even though I may do things that the Bible calls sin that's out of alignment. That doesn't really matter. And as a result, uh, Gnostics, they were known to even redefine sin, and it says that, that some even believed that they were incapable of sinning, although their bodies could engage in practices that Christians considered sinful. And later, Gnosticism even believed that they had achieved a state of sinlessness. I've not experienced that. See, in Gnosticism, instead of Jesus being the Messiah, I become the Messiah. I save myself. That salvation in Gnosticism is about affirming the divine light, that, that divine spark that's already in my soul versus repentance, humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord instead of a rebirth. See, this is ultimately, again, it's, de it's deifying yourself, it's all of this. And if history has proved nothing, it's proved that when somebody thinks they're God, we're in trouble. <laughs> every great tyrant, every, all the atrocities that happened, it was from somebody who thought, I'm God, I'm in charge, I'm in control. If I said that, Deck would be getting up and giving you a different messages board president today. <laughs> Dwayne's got a problem, we need to sit him down. So, so Apostle John, he hits it down on the head, and he says in 1 John 8, 10, he says, that's why, if we claim we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. And not living in the truth, if we claim we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word is not in us. Huge lie. And so what John is saying now, this is a big lie, big lies demand a big response. And God is a big God. And he's letting everyone know that when you walk in this way, you're walking in opposition to God, you're calling him a liar, this is serious, and it's heartbreaking to watch. It's heartbreaking to watch those you care about, your children, your friends, your coworkers, walk in this way. So how does John combat this lie, right? 
How, what does John do? He sees people doing this. He sees Gnosticism rising up. He sees all these things happening, that they're walking away from the truth, from the power of God, that we just, Jesus, he's, he's alive from the dead. Why are you walking away? What's his response? His response is, we're going to walk in the light. We're going to shine a light on this. We're going to have this light so bright that you cannot deny it. And so he says in 1 John 5, he says, he says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. So what John is doing, John's appealing to the light. He's saying, you're walking in darkness. You need to walk in the light because everyone needs light. I mean, we, all, we have lights on our cars. We have lights on our bike. We have lights in our home. We have lights on our walkway. We have, we have flashlights that work all the way around. Even my dog Stanley has a light that I clip onto him because I don't want anybody to hit him. And when you need a flashlight, when you find yourself in the darkness, you're so thankful to have it. But Gnosticism, it's like a flashlight in that it looks like a flashlight, it sounds right, and it resonates with some things, but when you turn it on, the batteries are dead. It's a flashlight that doesn't work. Now think about how dangerous that is. Because if you're just in your backyard messing around, or you're just out around where there's lots of light, and, you, and, the, and the flashlight doesn't work, that's not as big of a deal. But when you're in a dark corner, when you're in a dark spot, when you've leaned into this lie, that I can be in control, that I can be in charge, that I can, I can decide, and I, I don't need God for this. And then that moment comes, and you flip the switch, and the batteries are dead. You're in a lot of trouble. You know, I saw this, this, this clip that, that, that uh, came through, and it was talking about how this one person was talking to this, to this lady that had dementia. And he looked at this lady, and he said to this lady, he said, you know what? He said, I'm the meanest person I know. And I've lived a great life. Everything's going my way. I've got everything I want. My career is successful. I've got all this stuff, and I'm mean. He's a 40-year-old. Nothing against 40-year-olds. And he said, but, and look at you. You're the nicest person I know, and you have dementia. Explain to me Where's God in all that? And her response to that is like, you know what? You don't know it, but you're sitting in a cell. The door's open. You can leave anytime you want. And Satan's made that cell very cozy for you. You got a TV. You got everything you want. And the door's open. You can leave anytime. But at some point, that door's going to slam shut. And there'll be no way for you to get out. What she was saying to him is that you've been made comfortable. Why wouldn't the enemy make you comfortable? But for me, I'm living my life for the Lord. I'm living for eternity. Dementia, sickness, whatever it may be, it's hurtful and it's hard and it's not minimizing it. But I love what Francis Chan did one time. He had this rope and he just put a little bit of tape on one end and he said, this is our life, this little bit here. And then he unfurled this rope. Have any of you seen that? He unfurled this rope and he said, this is eternity. Why would I focus on this little bit of tape when I have an eternity to focus on? The joy of the Lord coming in. And this is what we're, we sometimes we get so caught up in all of this. And John is saying, what are you, you need the light of Christ in your life. Don't be caught for the moment. Don't get caught up in your own sin. Don't get caught up in just living for yourself and lose your life. That's why Jesus said, if you try to gain your life, you're going to lose it. But if you get up for my sake, you will gain it. 
And so as we unpack this series today, John, he's looking at them and he's attacking this false doctrine. He's a shepherd and shepherds protect the sheep. And he's going, you know what? So that you don't get caught up in picking up a, bat- uh, picking up a flashlight that didn't have batteries. There weren't flashlights and batteries back then. So you don't get caught up picking up a lamp that had no oil in it. So that you don't get caught chasing off these false ideas that sound good. He said, I'm going to give you three very practical things because people can pretend to have it all together, right? People can pretend. I can make my social media look so impressive. But John gets real specific here, and he lays out in this. He lays three things, and we're going to unpack these, not today, but we're going to unpack these in the upcoming weeks. And the first thing he says is that when you're walking in the light, when someone is really, he said there's three things, and the first thing is they're going to know the truth. Someone who's walking in the light, they're going to know the truth, and the truth is God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through him. That truth is going to be alive because when you're a follower of Jesus, you read and you study. I mean, after all, we all do that. When we want to do something, when something excites us, what do we do? We go to YouTube University. I pulled up my YouTube in front of a friend. They're like, well, we know what you like. My YouTube is filled with how to roll your kayak, how to make latte art, how to train your old dog. Why? Because things we care about, we study. There's Bible stuff in there too. There's pastors and preachers. And that's where I got that illustration. Things we care about, we study, we dive into. When we are hungry for God, when we're filled with the light of Christ, we're going to open our Bible first thing every morning and say, God, speak to me today. Whether it's a minute, whether it's an hour, whatever it is, you will find yourself devouring the truth. And when you don't understand it, you're going to go to Pastor Kim and say, I need a group that I can understand this better. I need to walk in. I need somebody to walk with. Or you're going to go start going, I'm going to go to Northwest University. How many Northwest University people we got in here? Alumni, right? Students, all kinds of stuff. You're all very intelligent people. Why? Because you want to know. You want to study. You want to do what the Bible says. Study to show yourself approved. You want to devour it. You want to learn it. So you will know the truth. So John's saying, first of all, they're going to know the truth. They're going to be hungry for the truth. They're going to be diving in. He said, secondly, they're going to obey God. He said, this is the walk. They're going to be living out obedient lives. Now, do we fail? Yes. But every believer, every follower of Christ, when they get out of alignment, and the more you're walking with Christ, the quicker you know. That's why they'll say a lot of times that that spiritual growth, how, you know, how do you know that you're growing? It's because the distance from your sin, your disobedience, and your confession gets shorter and shorter and shorter. When I first followed Christ, right, I'm trying to hide it, trying to deny it, trying to stuff it. But now as we walk, the minute it happens, I'm like, Jesus, forgive me. Sorry for that thought. Sorry for that action. Sorry for whatever it is. I know Canadians are known for saying sorry a lot, but we don't always mean it. It's meaning it. That obedient living, living. That's why James said, faith without works is dead. That's why Jesus was clear that those who knew him, his disciples, were the ones who obeyed his teaching. They were faithful to what he commanded because the, the, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. It can look good. And Canadians, we love our pudding. You know it as soon as you eat it. Is that obedient life. This is the fruit that Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by this. And he believed in it so much and it was so important that he even contrasted it with the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees. And he's like, see them, they look good. They poise themselves up and they're speaking, they're, they're speaking the truth. They've got that first one down where they know the truth. He's like, but do not do what they do. He said, everything they do is for show. 
He, said, he even said they're whitewashed tombs, meaning that they look good, they're clean on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. So those filled with the light, they know the Word of God. They're growing, they're studying, they're going through. They're walking obedient lives. That also means, you're, means that you're teachable. Obedience is teachable when someone's coming close to you and saying, hey, I'm seeing something, let's talk about this. That your response is not going to be, get away from me. That may be your first response. Your second response should be, sorry for pushing you away. Now, let's talk about it. And then that third one is that passion, that fervent devotion. See, this is the passion. I love seeing our new people come to Christ. We've had so many new people. Aren't you so thankful for those here that are new today? They're coming in and serving the Lord. Do you know what they did for Easter? They invited somebody. They invite them to come here, or they invite them to their groups, or they invite them to this stuff, or what, whatever. Our youth group is growing because students are inviting other students. This is here for Pastor Tiffany and all the students that are going on. That's incredible. And here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect to invite somebody because you don't have to be perfect to be the pastor here. If you're not perfect, you will fit right in. But there's passion, and your passion will say, God, help me. Help me to grow. Help me to grow. Help me to grow. Help me to walk in you. See, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in us comes out. I was talking with someone earlier from TLC, talking about, you know what? Every week we come and we're refilled so that we can pour it out. We can pour it out. And the more we pour out, the more we want to come in and say, I need to be refilled, refilled. I need to encourage. I need to get this teaching. And then you go out and you pour it out and you pour it out. And when you pour out, you want to come and you want to be refilled. See, sometimes we don't have this passion for being refilled because we're not giving anything away. We're too scared to talk to somebody at the grocery store. We're too scared to go over here. We're, we're too scared to try to share things. You learn to share your faith by sharing your faith. You're going to make mistakes, but I'd rather make the mistake in trying to share my faith than make the mistake in not sharing my faith. There's nothing like it. You know the truth. You're walking obediently. You got the passion, because here's what happens. That passion for sharing... I've talked to people. I didn't know the answer. I said, okay, let, let me go figure this out. And so I went back to step one. Know the truth. I talked to somebody. Okay, oh, yeah, oh, that's a great way of saying it. Then I walked obediently and sharing my faith, and then a passion stirred. Do you see how that works? You want to walk in that fullness? You want to walk in that life? Man, do that. Engage. Try to find some people. And if you're like, Pastor Dwayne, I don't, I don't know where to serve. There's lots of places there to serve. Pastor Tiffany is praying for youth leaders because her youth group is growing. Our kids downstairs, have you seen all the wonderful babies that are around? Oh, my goodness. What a wonderful time to be involved in children's ministry. We need people to lead life groups. We need people to engage in helping fix our building around. We have mission trips that are going on. We have ministries local that we partner with. One of them is community dinners, and Pastor Verlin and Melanie Fosner are here today. So good to have you here today, Pastor, both of you. I've never heard him say to somebody, no, you can't help at community dinners. Have you ever said that? No. There's Union Gospel Mission. There's Olive Crest. I want to say Pastor Paul LaRose. He, you, he, you are. Pastor Paul LaRose, Olive Crest. We just had a meeting with someone part of his organization, Josh Berry, who's going to be here sharing on Mother's Day about how can we reach out to people, to foster families, to foster kids in this area that they're begging for help for. So many opportunities. It's going to cost you something, but I'm telling you what, 
Every time I've walked away from different ministries, every time I got off a bus and I shared my faith, every time I walked out of a coffee house and I shared my faith, the whole way home, I'm just like, I can't even call Stephanie and tell her about it because I'm so filled with that joy. This is what we're talking about. Knowing the word, obediently living the word, passion, and just going through. Because see, when we're passionate about somebody and we see them hurting, when someone's in the darkness, I'm not going to apologize for shining a light. I'm not going to be afraid about insulting them by shining a light. I'm like, you're walking towards a cliff. Brother, let me put a light on you. And there's another mark that's going to come in that John lays out. And it's one, it's, it's one that's lost a lot of traction in our society. But it's one that he calls out as an identifying feature of people who walk in the light. He's saying people who walk in the light, they're going to have fellowship. If you're walking in the light of God, you're going to have fellowship. Now listen, Jesus went to a group of people that actually killed him. If he can go to a church like that, we can go to a church like this, right? That's the reality. The leaders rose up, persecuted him, ultimately killed him, and he rose from the grave. He conquered death and hell and sin forever. And we sometimes come together, I'll I'll hear people saying that they can't go because of this, can't go because of that, and can't go because of all these other things. You know what? Anything that looks like a family is going to be tough. Does anybody have a perfect family where there's never an argument or there's never a problem or someone didn't insult you? I made meatloaf last night and not everybody liked it. More for me, I say. Right? That's what family is. And when a family stays together, and when a family helps people out, and when we walk in these ways, that in the middle of this, that we're walking and saying, you know what, that was kind of rude what you said there. Can we talk about that? Can we walk this through? And we work these things out. Or, you know what, I heard you were talking about somebody else over here, and that's, that's like gossiping. That's, 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 that, that's not good. That's going to hurt us here. Can we talk about that? When the family functions like that, there is a strength. There is a power in it because Jesus is in the middle of it. Jesus got up in the middle of everybody. He didn't change his message, but he lovingly loved everyone around him and invited them. So when we walk in the light, you're going to have fellowship. And he was clear. If you walk in the light, you're going to have fellowship with one another. That's why throughout Scripture we see time and time again that evidence of our love for God is in how we love each other. It's a sacrificial love. It's a tough love. For some of you, it's been sacrificial for you to love me. Not Stephanie, but it's been hard for you to love me at times. And for some of you, it's been sacrificial for me too. <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, it's, that's normal, right? We, we don't throw down the ball and just leave. And I know some of you, you're going through heartbreaking situations. And there's time, if I'm not preaching the truth, this is not the church for you. Actually, go to Deck Barnes. He'll... He'll take care of it. <laughs> right? It needs to be a loving church, fruits of the Spirit. I mean, all these things that we work together, the truth. But, boy, that's what we're doing here. That's what we're laying out here. That's what we're trying to do. And if something's off and you're not saying anything, it's your responsibility to say something. Because we, we want to be following the Lord. We want to be walking in the Lord. We want to be, this is walking in the light. That's why the word for fellowship, and I, I'm going to wrap this up. The, but the word for fellowship here is a powerful word. It's koinonia. Now, Koinonia was a Christian jazz group back in the 80s. But Koinonia, it comes, anybody, 
Ever listen to koinonia? All right. All right, koinonia is this word that's, that's used there, and it's used throughout the New Testament because it means what? Community. It means communion. These are real words. Community, communion, joint participation, all y'all. Partnership. It's that association that we're doing it together, that communion, there's this depth of relationship that joined everyone equally sharing and engaging in this community. It's been so cool. I've seen new people that have had a need, and before I knew about it, somebody in their life group already provided. They needed food. They needed help. They need this. And they're coming to me and saying, Pastor Dwayne, this person has a need. Oh, oh, do I need to step in? Nope, done. It took me a while to gather myself to tell Stephanie that one too. Because that's, that's that koinonia, that's that fellowship, that's that coming through where everyone is just taking on the responsibility. They're walking in discipleship. It's not passing through a crowd. When you pass through a, a crowd, you're just a Fred Meyer. I need some bread. I'm going to walk in, get the bread, pay for it, and, and leave. That's a transactional relationship. That's not what this is. It's coming in, it's investing. Do you need any bread? Do you need this? How was your week? And really mean it. All right? You know what? I can tell something's going on. Why don't we have coffee later? Why don't we have lunch later? Why don't we do this? Why don't, why don't we try to... This is what the community means. It's not passing through a crowd. It's meaning that we are on mission. It means that we're coming together. This, we're, this, this, this fellowship, I'm not just here to get what I want and leave. No, if you treat a family that way, you're, you're going to break your family. Or they're going to break you. When, when we behave that way, it's a long path of healing. See, I love one, one of the things I loved about Pastor Bob when I came here. He said, you know, Shoreline Community Church is marked by four things. And those of you who have been here, you know that we're marked by love. What does that spell? LAFPA. <laughs> love, acceptance, right? The love of Jesus in us. And that means we accept each other. Acceptance is not condoning sin. It's just meaning, hey, let's hang out. Let's walk. Let's figure this out. Let's put the light of Christ on this. And if we find cancer, we're going to pray for it in the name of Jesus Christ, that cancer is sin, that you can be set free and that it can be brought out. And then forgiveness. We ask God for forgiveness, and now because I've been freely forgiven, I can forgive you. God forgave me of everything. So why shouldn't I forgive you? And it's a place to belong, that partnership, that partnership. You know, it reminded me of when I was younger. I, I turned to my mom, and I said something every, every church kid says to their mom or their dad. And I looked up and said, Mom, church is so boring. <clears throat> you know, I thought it was going to get her. And there was no children's ministries. Great pastor, but he wasn't that funny. Know what mom said to me? She said, you get out of it what you put into it. You're not getting anything out of it, Dwayne, because you didn't put anything into it. Thank God for my mom. Nice lady, but man, she could zing you. I came on one time and I said, Mom, I was crying. What, what, what are you crying, little Dwayne, for? I said, oh, I'm crying because someone called me a nerd. And I was expecting her to give me a cookie and kind of puff me up. And she said, well, if God made you a nerd, just be the best one you can be. 
All right, thanks, Mom. But see, this is at Koinonia. Everybody walking in the light, living out what it says in that 1 Corinthians 13, living out the love of God. You want to know what the love of God is like? It's patient. It's kind. doesn't envy. doesn't boast. It's not proud. doesn't dishonor people. It's not self-seeking. And it's not easily angered. Forgive me, Lord. I'll get to the wrong, but sometimes I need to ask forgiveness for the anger. Right? Because we see things, and we see hurt, and boy, anger. That's why Jesus said, be angry, but don't sin. All right. Keeps no record of wrongs. Doesn't delight in evil. But what does it do? Rejoices in the truth. And it always protects, it always trusts, and it always hopes, and it always perseveres. And Jesus said, you love each other, guys, you're my disciples. And all of this, if that wasn't enough, and this is my last thing, the purpose of all this, he lays it out. And he puts it in front of it so that we wouldn't miss a so that. Pastor Bob always went, dun, da, 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 right? Every time you see so that, dun, 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 take, take. And what comes after it? John said, I'm writing all these things so that our joy. Who wants joy? I do. We do. Let's do coffee together. Joy. See, John's, he's painting this picture. He's saying that the end result, there's tough times, there's burdens you're going to walk through, but the end result, the ultimate result is joy. You can get caught up in the things of the flesh and you can get momentary satisfaction. But if it's, suck, if it's sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever, that's just a moment and then there's heartbreak afterwards if it's not righteous before the Lord. John's saying, look, there's a deeper joy waiting for us. See, so many times we can stop at the cost. And we spent Lent season talking about the cost where you, you deny yourself, you lay down your cross, and you follow Jesus. And that's the cost of it. But when you're riding your dream car or your bike or your kayak or you got your dog, whatever it is, you're not looking down and saying, you know how much that dog cost me? You're saying, isn't that a beautiful little baby? Right? Moms don't come out of the delivery room going, man, that baby was expensive. <laughs> They're holding it. Babies are expensive. But I wouldn't trade a one of them. Because you focus on the joy. You know they're going to spit up. You know their stuff is going to happen. But you focus on the joy. You know people are going to mock you. They're going to ridicule you. Jesus said, They'll even take your life. He'll demand your life, but there's a joy that's waiting you. There are missionaries that gave their life that someday in eternity, they're going to stand before the person who took their life. And they're not going to be like, remember what you did? They're going to be like, you made it. <laughs> you gave your life to Jesus, and we get to spend eternity together. This is the joy. This is the joy. It's so strong that it's all throughout. James said, consider it joy when you hit all these problems. Consider it joy when you fall through this because it's going to produce in you, my brothers and sisters, when you face these trials, the testing your face, it's going to produce perseverance. And we need perseverance today like never before. Even Jesus, it says in Hebrews 12, but Jesus, that 
because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Jesus focused on the cross because he was looking at you. You love your kids because you're, you look beyond all the stuff because you love your kids and you want them to have that healthy life. I pray every morning, God, let my kids be filled with your spirit. Let my kids be filled with your love. More than anything, I pray my kids would see you in my life. Not just somebody who loves his dog and loves his coffee and loves his kayak, but God, he loves Jesus more than anything. Good days, bad days. This is the joy. The end result, great joy. So before we leave this place today, I want to ask you, and I want you to consider and think about it. Where's the joy? Am I experiencing that joy in my life? And all these are in your church center app under Sunday. So you can take these through the week. Now, I'm not talking about infatuation, right? That's something I experienced in junior high (laughs) and high school and college. I'm talking about that deep joy. We've been through stuff. There's a deepening. There's that strength. Be honest with yourself. Lord knows, but he's speaking to you like he spoke to Adam and said, where are you? And then look at that other fruit, that other fruit of walking in the light, fellowship. Are you experiencing that? Experience it here. Are you experiencing it with people? And then those three areas, this is stuff, you're not going to solve it all today. But take it with you and look at, you know, God and all, all these things, like the three evidences that John lines out, you know, do I know your truth? Am I hungry for the truth? Am I obediently walking after you? Is there a passion to share? And the answers to that will point you to what needs to change because I want to live this life. I want to be sharing my faith. I want to, we all go through dark nights of the soul. We all go through difficulty. We all go through those things, but this is the life he's called us to walk in. It's joy in the middle of sorrow. It's, it's walking through the, sh- through the valley of the shadow of death and not fearing evil because I'm going, Jesus, you're with me. My family's doing stuff to me, but that I'm trying to figure out. I feel like I've done everything that you've asked me to do, and now I just got to wait on the Lord and renew my strength. Jesus, I need you with me. Some of you are waiting. And it may seem like God is absent, but he's actually strengthening you. He's stirring the pot. He's getting things going. But you need to have perseverance in that so you don't open it too soon. You've got to let that work of Jesus work. Can we all stand together today? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your empowerment. We can't do any of this without you. (laughs) We know you. We live in you. We walk obedience. We wait in you. All those things are empowered by your spirit. So even now, as the prayer teams come, let me encourage you to take a few moments. If you want prayer and prayer team, you can go ahead and come on forward. Come forward, pray. You got, you, you got to take some step in this. You can't live in your head all the time. You, you got to let it get out. Pray with someone here. Pray with someone there. 
turn to someone next to you and just say, you know what? Tell them what's going on or even go, I don't even know what to say. Can you just pray? Let the Spirit lead you as you pray for someone next to you. Have communion, that remembrance of the power of Jesus. And as you break, I, I, I do this most weeks. I break the bread and say, God, as your body was broken for me, do your healing work in me today. Strengthen me today. As I drink that wine, it's not wine, it's juice. As I drink that juice, forgive me, Jesus. Wash me, cleanse me. Take some moments to respond. Let's do some ministry to each other, amen? Let's respond today. God, help us to walk in the light. Help us that this just wouldn't be an isolated moment where it's, it just it goes in the ears and right out. Father, let it permeate our life. Your word, your truth, your word to us, Holy Spirit. Let us be filled with your word. Let us be walking in obedience to you. And God, I pray that we would be passionately running to those who need help, running to our family, running to our friends, running to this community, humbly, humbly. Let your testimony be alive in us, we pray, in your name. Everyone said together? Thank you for being here today. Love you so much. Find someone, ask somebody to lunch, get together. Let this be lived out. Here's our benediction before we leave today. Say this together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go, walk in the light and live for Jesus.